Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hi, welcome to Business is Unusual. Today, we are talking with KB Wagers, a science fiction author. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to see what we get to talk about. Before we dive into the nitty gritty of the main point of us talking, What's the hobby of yours that you think would surprise folks? You know what? A couple of years ago, I think I would have said that people I know would have been surprised by the fact that I have hobbies at all. Legit? A lot of that was simply because I didn't have a whole lot of free time. And I guess now I don't know that anybody would be surprised by anything. My hobbies mostly boil down to playing video games and taking care of houseplants. And that's about the extent of it. I we'll have to know what video games. Yeah. I am a huge Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West oh. fan. I mostly do single player RPGs and Dragon Age. I really enjoyed Hades, though. I just I played that loved recently. Hades. Although it took me a really long time to stop, like, trying to camera around to like, yeah. other stuff. <laughs> I thought Hades was so well written. I really liked a lot of the things that they did with it. Yeah, it was very engaging and very, I still have to go back and finish two side quests, I think. But overall, it was very, the writing was beautiful. And I thought it was really fascinating and really well done. They're having a Hades 2 is coming out and it's following the daughter of his sibling. Ooh, I'm very interested to see. I just was really impressed. I'm also a video game person. So <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> well, I'm glad you have free time now. And I don't know if that segues well into talking about what you're up to in your business or how that happened, but either one would be lovely to hear from you. Yeah, I, you know what? I think it does. I, people who know me already know that story, but for your listeners and people who don't know me, I have been published since 2016 and have been writing at a breakneck speed. I've put out a book a year since 2016, with the exception of last year. And in 2020 and 2021, I actually published two books in each year. So for the last seven years or something, it has been this breakneck speed where I'm either writing a book or editing a book or copy editing a book. And this is all traditionally published. I have two trilogies that are space operas out with Orbit books that follow the adventures of a gunrunner turned empress. And then I have a series of books that are standalone novels set in the same world called the Neo G Adventures, which are published by Harbor Voyager. And that is about a crew of the near-Earth Orbital Guard, which is like the Space Coast Guard. And involves, I don't know, a lot of hijinks. It's like a close-knit crew who know each other for the most part. They're also competing in what's called the boarding games, which is an intra-military competition. And I am the last person to have thought that I would be writing about sports because I'm not, I grew up watching football. I'm terrible at sports personally. I recently got 
like re-involved in watching hockey. Actually, I live in Colorado and last year was like the best time to start watching hockey in Colorado again. <laughs> yeah, the abs were amazing. I can't, we were, yeah. We played very well. I'd say we as if I were personally involved in that. Oh, I'm sure to, you were. If you I hadn't had, been there cheering them on, they never would have made it. Exactly. I was yeah. like, see, I started watching you again and y'all like actually won the cup versus previous years where apparently they had tapped out in the first round. This year was slightly rougher. <laughs> yes, but, it was. <laughs> um, I, I, we lost the plot on that question. It's what have I been, me. what have I been doing? <laughs> so yeah, I have, I recently, as in late 2021, quit my full-time day job, mm -hmm. um, packed my house up, moved in with my parents who very kindly were like, sure, you can move 70 plants and three cats and all of your belongings into our house and, and sleep in our basement for as long as it takes for you to fix up your house and sell it and find a new place to live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also i did what I called, I pulled a Hemingway because I basically wrote a book while I was at my folks and bless my parents, like cooked my food, like mm -hmm. fed me. And all I did was work and watch hockey and it was great. <laughs> so I have now moved, I moved in early 2022 and spent the last year getting back to a point where I didn't feel quite so burned out means that I've had a lot more time. I've had a lot more energy. I've had the ability to actually take some time with the writing that I'm doing. And I wrote my last contracted book for the Neo G universe at present moment, which will come out in 2024. And now I have some time to come up with some new ideas. And that's what sort of what I've been working on is noodling some ideas that I've had, but just haven't had any time to work on. And and also putting, I'm putting together some more Neo G book pitches in the hopes that my publisher wants to buy some more of them because I would love to continue working in that world. But yeah, it's been quite the journey from being burned out to learning how to like not do anything, which I talk a lot on my social media about toxic productivity and capitalism and how we fool ourselves into thinking that we need to be going warp nine all the time whereas the pretty popular saying is if the enterprise went at warp nine all the time the engines would burn out very quickly so they actually don't they go at like warp three <laughs> pretty just as a general rule and yet we we seem to think as human beings that we are what trisha hersey who wrote the book rest is resistance likes to call machine level production which is my new favorite phrase i had a rule that I instituted probably like eight years ago because I used to carry a battery around for my phone all the time. And I was like, nope, not doing that anymore. If my phone needs to recharge, I need to recharge. I have to go recharge with my phone somewhere. And I found that to be a good reminder to pause. I'm not going to pretend that I don't love projects, but it, I have really worked because I think that is true that if we don't regenerate, recharge, rest, and that's really different than stopping and doom scrolling, right? Then our, not only does our energy, but our creativity, our innovation, honestly, ability to not be cranky, <laughs> they all get compromised. Yeah, it really, I think it's utilized this idea that we, that especially as artists, that you literally have to rest and unplug 
and not be doom scrolling and not be doing anything at all, really, in order to let your brain like daydream and come up with ideas and imagine stories and things like that. And we've, we have, as much as I love technology and as much as I love the internet, I do think that we struggle a lot with this like dopamine addiction of needing this constant plugged inness where we're always online and we're always looking at stuff and we're doom scrolling and it's not letting our brains rest. It's not letting our brains think about story ideas or music or paint or whatever. It's just this sort of mindless, endless run up that doesn't do us any good either physically or mentally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like sugar. It you I love my Skittles, right? But I'm not gonna eat them for every meal. It's you're gonna manage where you take it in. What in your life or past set the stage for you to get into being a science fiction author or just an author in general? I have actually always wanted to be an author. I started writing at a really early age and started writing the first book that I would actively attempt to get published when I was a junior in high school. So it's, yeah, it has always been something that is on my mind. And I just, I love science fiction. I have always, like, I grew up out in rural eastern Colorado. So we didn't have cable. We didn't, like, and also it was like the 80s. So we watched a lot of public television, which meant that we watched a lot of British science fiction shows. I grew up on Doctor Who, like the original Doctor Who, and Red Dwarf and Blake Seven and stuff like that. So I... I fell in love and my folks are, my mother's really well read and my father is generally entertaining and loves astronomy and space and stuff. So we ended up talking about that sort of thing around the dinner table a lot, which is funny. I, I, something I learned, I just spent a week in Wyoming at the Launchpad Astronomy Workshop, which is a workshop that one of the professors at the Department of Physics and Astronomy puts on yearly and they invite or you apply and then like a handful there were like eight nine of us I think all authors from science fiction middle grade fantasy YA and we got to come and learn about astronomy for a week so it was basically like a week-long crash course of a semester's worth of astronomy information which was really exciting but I also realized like how much of it I learned over the dinner table which was Mm -hmm. wild So, yeah, I actively started trying to find an agent in the late 90s when I was in college, went through several drafts. I actually wrote several urban fantasies when those books were really big. Nothing got picked up. I wrote a space opera, which I called my 10 years too early for the trend book, which which garnered some attention from agents, but did not get picked up. And then finally got my agent in 2012 with the first draft of Behind the Throne, which is the first of the Hale books. So yeah, I it's just something that I have always worked for and uh, and then was able to finally successfully do. And I am I would say I am I am probably on the low mid list as far as authors go. So I'm not like a not a huge bestseller, but my books do pretty well. And Wow, I had something there and then I just completely spaced on where I was going with it. Yeah, it's gone. I feel you. (laughs) The little hamster got tired. I know he was like, (laughs) now we're that dude. 
Good. I'm hopping off. Like, we were going there. So we were going somewhere there. This is business as unusual. What would you say is unusual about what you're up to? So my, <laughs> my, I was thinking about this morning and it's, it still constantly makes me laugh. I write, like I said, the first two trilogies that I wrote for Orbit are space opera and they are, they are diverse both in, in race and sexual orientation. And the Neo G books are military science fiction, which traditionally has been extremely conservative as far as its readership goes. So I am, I don't think that I am the vanguard because I think that there are plenty of other people doing what I do. But my brand is that this is not your father's science fiction, that we talk about people who go into space who are not straight old white men. And if you're going to talk about, I was joking with a friend the other day that said, if you're reading a book, an old science fiction, like old military science fiction book, and there is a female character in the book, you are guaranteed one, possibly two things. Either either of them will happen. Maybe both of them will happen. She will die and you will know what her cup size is. <laughs> Ouch. And I know. <laughs> And open Google Maps and show me the lie on that because <laughs> it's pretty common. I actually, and so I had a reader who was like, you know what I love? You don't talk about people's boobs. And I was like, huh, I don't. And it's actually strange because one of the main characters in the Neo G books is a like pretty sexually liberated woman who she's pansexual. She sleeps with whoever she wants she's actually in a in an open relationship with a great guy and and she does what she wants but yeah at no point has she like described another person <laughs> like only the jets however i wrote a part in the book that comes out in june where boobs do get mentioned just not in the way anybody would would think would happen in a traditional military science fiction novel <laughs> and it was purely because of that conversation nice uh, so yeah like i I'd like to think that I write military science fiction that is for the 21st century. I wrote books that I wanted to read, and I love reading science fiction, but I got real tired really quickly reading stories that didn't have people like me in it and reading stories where if there were people like me in it, they usually came to a relatively bad end. <laughs> you were just like, what is the point of this? So. Yeah, that's the like, that's the gist of it that there's, I think that there are more, there is more space out there in our science fiction, if we are supposed to be dreaming of alternate futures that we want, and that the Neo G books are a future that I would prefer to have. I like that. Can you share some or tell me some advice that you've received that changed the way you think about what you do? Some of the best advice I got early on as far as craft goes or like how to handle being published is actually from a friend of mine, Yasmin Galenorn, who cautioned me to never read the reviews because by that point, like you have no control over this. The book is done. It has been published. It's out in the world. 
you can't change it even if you like even if you wanted to and you really don't want to elizabeth bear also has that same advice she wrote a really famous live journal post at one point called the story is always broken i Mm. think that talks about learning to let go like that you've this is done and you just want to move on which i think is pretty timely especially since we live in a world where we feel like Everything can be adjusted and changed at the last second and updated. And there's no sense of like finality on something. And so we tend to, I think, cling to things more and try to make stuff permanent. And nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts. We're all going to we're all going to get swallowed up by the sun when it goes. And that's just the way the universe works and it's nothing is meant to last forever. So I would say, yeah, like as far as craft stuff goes, that's that is some of the best advice that I have gotten. Thanks. I I studied Buddhism for a while and man, the whole impermanence thing. It's so true and I so hate it. Like I was in a class and I knew the guy was like talking about it. And I said, can I just say I hate impermanence? I'm like, this is Buddhism. You're supposed to be able to say anything. And he said, yeah, I was just like, I don't know why, but I, I, you're right like that at any rate. Yeah, it's very hard because we, we want to be remembered, right? We want to believe that something of us will last past, past our like the existence on this earth. And the reality is you're, the, those are few and far between, right? We still talk about Homer or Staffo and the works that they did. And we could still read the works that they did, but there were hundreds, if not thousands of other poets and authors who existed in that time who probably wrote things just as beautiful and it's gone and we don't like you don't get to see it. So there's, yeah, being a Buddhist is why because you do exist in the space where you're like, this is, I hate this so much. And yet I acknowledge that all of this is an illusion and mm-hmm. none of it's going to last. And I guess we'll just, you, people tend to fall into one of two camps. Then I feel like they fall into the nihilism camp where they're like, nothing, nothing matters. Or you tend to fall into the like more solidly Buddhist camp where you're like, everything matters because this is, because nothing lasts. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that matters is what we do like right here, right, right. now in this moment. Yeah. True wisdom. Can you talk about what you do or what you've done to keep yourself inspired or to recharge however lands with you the best way to to share a thought? I inspiration is tricky, especially when you are writing on deadlines. The like common kind of saying is that that you get all the time in the world to work on your first book. And then after that, you have no time at all. And it really is true. I wrote my first book in three months or something in 2000, not my first book, but the first book that got published in the beginning of 2009 or something. And then actually queried it for practically two years. My agent actually passed on the book the first time, but sent a very nice revision letter that was like, I see the story that you're trying to tell and you missed it <laughs> like by a mile. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to, here are my thoughts. If you want to change it and resubmit it to me, I would love to read it again. And he was absolutely correct. And I rewrote 
practically the entire book. I like to say the only, there are only five people in the world who have read the original draft of that book, which was terrible. The draft that got published has the same first 10 pages in it that were in the original. A lot of the same characters. There's one major change to the beginning of the book and the rest of it is completely different from how it was. So I spent all this time working on this book. We sold it. I had three months to write the next book and less than a month to edit it. And then we published it, I think, two months after the first book came out. So (laughs) just like you have no time. There is no time at all. So I like my big, my big thing when I need to clear my head, when I want to think about the story is I go for walks or hikes or somewhere outside. And I have a metric ton of playlists varying from like actual story playlists that I make to just random stuff. And I listen to those depending on what I'm working on, what I need, and just stop thinking. As weird as that sounds, like it's the easiest way for me to let the story do what it needs to do without a lot of fuss and without getting in the way of it. So that's my big, like, that's my, probably one of my biggest, like, things for being creative and stuff like that. And the other one is I nap a lot, which is like freaking lovely. And I am a big fan of, there is nothing like living for six months with retired people to teach you the value of taking a nap. So I'm hearing you not only have cats in your life, you are also a cat. It's pretty close. Yeah. The cats love nap time. Like it is the absolute best. They're like, oh, is it, are we doing it? Are we? Is it time for a snuggle and a nap? Yeah. Is it time for a snuggle and a nap? Yes, it is. What does success look like to you? Doing what I'm doing right now. Like, like just getting to, just getting to write books and tell stories and getting paid for it. I think I started telling this story. Maybe that's what I got off track on was that I am like, we were lucky enough that the housing market was really good that enabled me to quit my job, my day job, and write full time. But I'm still not really at the point where I can survive. Mostly I'm surviving off the fact that we sold a house and made a pretty good profit off of it. So, it, but yeah, that's, I have never had like, you know, some people are super into wanting to see their stuff on the big screen or wanting to win awards or hit the bestseller list. And not, I'm not super ambitious in that direction. I don't, I don't care very much about awards. Even if I ever won an award, I probably wouldn't show up at the award show because that's terrifying. And like, I'm not, I don't like that sort of attention. And (laughs) I exist in that way. I'm a writer. I don't want to be perceived. And yet people are like (laughs) perceiving me. Stop. So I, we had a behind the throne got optioned for a TV show and it was a very fascinating process and it was a lot of fun. And I'm a little bummed that we weren't able to sell it to anybody because despite what the networks say about wanting diverse like TV shows, boy, they, they don't actually, they talk it a lot, but when it comes down to it, they're like, oh, we've already got one. We don't need another. You need to put out some propaganda and then you'll be in. 
Yeah. You're like, no, my soul breaks when you say that. (laughs) We've wrestled a lot because the Neo G is borderline a police force. And so we've actually, there's been a lot of internal discussions and I've thought a lot about, like, how do we make this into a futuristic force that is not like the cops of today? Like that, that, that is, is kinder and, and gentler and like actually listens to people and tries to help rather than like just killing people. So that's been interesting in the framework of trying to write dramatic, exciting climaxes for books that, that people tend to expect. Although I don't have a problem with writing stories that are maybe a little softer and don't necessarily have that Western like feel of a big, exciting fight. And a lot of my stuff is more people focused, which is another science fiction also tends to fall into the hard sci-fi aspect where they really talk about technology. And let me explain in detail for 15 pages how this warship works. And I just don't care. (laughs) I want to spend 15 pages talking about the people who are on the warship and why their lives matter and what what kind of interactions they are having and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it's it has been like, like I said, this is all that I have ever wanted to do. And getting to do it really, to me is the pinnacle of success. I will admit, though, people naming their pets after my characters has been an absolute delight. And and I don't think anybody has gotten a tattoo yet of anything. But that would be another like. So for anyone listening, if you're a fan, that's an option. (laughs) <laughs> that is always enough. I get my own stuff like tattooed or that's I, I have what I call my writing arm, which has all of my writing theme tattoos on it. But I actually got a tattoo of Pluto like four days before the world shut down in 2020. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah, I'll confess. And I did my logo for my company and the person was able to create, I asked for them to put a Celtic knotwork into it. So they made the B and the C. And I like, I love it so much. I ordered temporary tattoos, which I'm like, no one else wants them, but I do. I'm assuming no one else wants them because why would they? But I love it. Every time I look at it, I'm like, well, Celtic-y self is right in there. Yeah. People doing art of your characters and of your world is also. Oh, Yeah. So folks that are listening that maybe aren't already familiar with your work, what's the best way for them to get connected, stay in contact, follow, know when you're up to stuff? Boy, with social media, the way it is right now. The website, which is just kbwagers.com, is always probably the best way to find out what's going on. We recently had a redesign and I'm still figuring out how to use it, but I'm hoping to maybe blog a little more regular mm-hmm. on that. But you can find links to like my Patreon on there, whatever social medias happen to still be alive. I am on Twitter right now at KB Wagers. We'll see how long that lasts. If the block, if the ability to block people goes away, I will no longer be there. I am on Instagram at Midway Brawler, which is probably my most active thing at the moment. Mm. And then I'm in the beta testing for Blue Sky, which is maybe a Twitter replacement. I'm also all over the place. I'm on post and whatever. There's a run there where and you just stake your name and then you never go back to it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's 
<laughs> at the moment, the website is the best place to find me, and Instagram is probably the second best. Wow. Also, there great. are a lot of pictures of cats if you like that sort of thing. I feel you. I put I, I'm on TikTok and I put a lot of pictures of my border collie trying to catch things because Yeah. <laughs> I am also on TikTok grudgingly. Let's admit I'm forty seven years old. I like New technology is hard for me, but if you want to watch me drinking coffee first thing in the morning with bedhead, that's my TikTok. So nice. <laughs> I was like, my, yeah, my publisher was like, you need to be on TikTok because that's where the kids are. And I was like, this is me. I was like, fine, I'll do it. But it's going to be me drinking coffee in my bedhead. And they were right? like, that's fine. We know better than to argue with you too much about this. So <laughs> you feel that. Yeah, there are occasionally cat videos and stuff on there, too. So. Who wouldn't tune in for that? Thank you so much for hanging out with me and sharing what you're up to. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.